follow along with the church calendar of the year. This is a time in which we call Advent. Um, Some churches celebrate it in numerous ways. Some churches uh, will do different things together. Some Christians, um, individually or collectively in their own homes, will celebrate Advent in a, a particular way. So what is Advent? Advent comes, and it uh, originally began very early on in the church's history, and it is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means waiting. And what it is, is it's a time of that every year, four weeks prior to Christmas Day, the church, whether we participate or we don't, whether we all fast and pray together or we don't, or you in your own home, the church as a whole has this time of the year called Advent, in which we are awaiting the birth of our Savior. Now, we know that he was born, and I'm not going to get into the debate, well, was he born in July or was he born in December? I don't know the exact date. It is one that is to be, it is certainly unsure of the exact date, but Christmas Day, December 25th, has been adopted by the church worldwide to be the day in which we celebrate the coming, the birth of our Savior. And that is how we celebrate even to this day. So the last or the four weeks prior to Christmas morning, Christmas day, we call it Advent, in which we are awaiting the coming of our Savior. And some people will go and some churches and maybe we'll consider this in the future, but some churches may do the four weeks, 28 days of prayer and fasting. Maybe you as a home, maybe you've never been aware of this and now I'm teaching you something new and you're like, well, I'm going to change. So here are some things that you can do over the next few weeks to truly prepare your heart for the celebration of the coming of your King and of your Savior. Maybe you spend more time as a family in God's Word. Maybe you limit yourself on your phone or your Facebook time or your television time and and you truly just make your home silent and just meditate on the Word of God, on the promise of God and on the coming of your Savior. Maybe you as a family, you will do different things to remind yourself over and over daily about the coming of our King. I had a Bible college professor tell me one time that possibly the greatest miracle performed by Jesus was Him being born. The resurrection was great. But he's always had the power to over, overcome evil. And he's always had the light to overcome darkness. But maybe, and he, I'm not saying this is the greatest miracle, but he was talking about and, and alluding to the idea that God would actually take on bone and flesh and walk amongst sinful people like us and then die in our place. So we celebrate this miracle of Jesus 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin in a little town called... What? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, also known as what? The city of David. So here's what I want to do over the next few weeks. We are going to be discussing some things that Jesus brought here. And some things that Jesus provides to us as we navigate the life that we currently live and that we will be living in the future and as we raise children or as we retire or as we make business decisions or as we, as we move around. And what are some things that Jesus brought, and we're going to be discussing them over the next few weeks, that each and every one of you long for, including myself. We all long for these things. And Jesus is the source of it all. We know that, I believe it's in Colossians where we read that all things were created through whom? Christ. Through Him. And all things were made by Him. And all things are provided to us then by Him. 
So what I want you to do over the next few weeks is prepare your hearts for the coming of our Savior to celebrate Christmas Day with your family in the greatest way possible. To sing happy birthday to Jesus as loud as you can. To eat as much as you are righteously allowed to eat on that day. Uh, we don't promote gluttony, but I know some things are the inevitable. All right, um, but here's what I want you to do. Just prepare your hearts for that morning where you wake up on Christmas and, and you truly just celebrate Jesus and the fact that he came to redeem you. He came to redeem me so that we could live in relationship forever and ever. And I can spend the rest of my life glorifying his name and sharing his goodness with the world. So a few challenges I want to give you is to spend less time on your phone. Spend less time on your television. There's nothing good on it anyway. Spend more time in God's word. Here's something that you can do to read the entire story of Jesus from now until Christmas. You can take two gospel accounts for the remainder of this time period, these few weeks that we may have, because I'm one week late after being gone last week. You can take the gospel of Mark, which has 16 chapters. So you math wizards, if you start tomorrow, the 6th, and read 16 chapters, that is taking you to the 22nd. Or you could read the gospel according to John. There are 21 chapters in the gospel according to John. So if you were to start tonight by reading through, and I'm going to help you here. I am reading half of chapter 1 of the gospel of John. So you're only going to have to have half of it read tonight, and then you can start in chapter 2 tomorrow. And if there's 21 from today, today is the 5th, 21, you're going to be one day over. okay? But you're actually going to read the resurrection account during this period of time. So that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. So go to John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19. And we're going to discuss the topic of joy. Joy. You know, there's this old song, whenever we get close to Christmas, you may hear it. Joy to the world. And, and who could agree with me that this world needs a lot more joy? <laughs> yeah. Who, who could agree with me that you individually could use a little more joy? Joy is something that Jesus brought. And what we're going to do is we're going to read John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. I'm going to read a little bit there. Then I'm going to read a little bit from Romans. And I'm going to read a little bit from John chapter 3. And then a little bit from John chapter 10. We're going to put it all together to leave here with the understanding of how it is that you and I live with joy. Now... We have to first define that joy and happiness are similar in one way, but also completely opposite. Because happiness is an emotion, and emotions are dictated by what happens. So you always heard the old saying, well, happiness is caused by what happens. You know, when you get the raise, you're what? Happy. When you get more time off work, you are what? Happy. When the kids obey, you are Happy. When traffic is light and people aren't, you know, making you late for work, you are happy. When the sun is shining and it's in the middle of December and it's 50, 60 degrees, you're what? Happy. You know, uh, but then at the very same time, whenever we're healthy, we are happy. But at the very same time, we could be happy one moment, someone cuts us off in traffic, and then we go from happy to angry. Anger is another emotion, and it is one that we feel, and it is also dictated by what happens. So what I want us to know is you can be happy and have no joy. 
Because joy is more than just an emotional feeling that you get in a, period, in a period of time because of what circumstance you may find yourself in. Joy is, this, is an eternal, everlasting gift from the Lord. And if you read Galatians chapter 5, remember we read that the fruit of the Spirit are what? Love and then joy. Joy. So joy is an everlasting, constant state of contentment that we find ourselves in. So you may not be enjoying the life you find yourself in right now, or you may not be enjoying the circumstance that you find yourself in. You might not be enjoying the job you're in. You might not be enjoying the way the relationship's going. You might not be enjoying the financial crisis you may find yourself in. You might not be enjoying the supply chain crisis that Amazon is predicting right before Christmas, and, but you can still have joy. You can still have joy. You may not enjoy the way that the kids are obeying or living in rebellion or disagreeing or, or arguing with, or, or, but you can still have joy. So first, we're going to go to John chapter 1, 19. It says this, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if neither you or if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Verse 29, we see the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold. The word behold literally means to just stop. Stop doing what you're doing. And he's telling all these people that are being baptized and all these people coming to him and all these people that are questioning him, all these people that are curious. He just yells out, Behold. So everybody just stop. I want everybody here just stop for a second. Behold, the Lamb of God. This is what John does in the water on the riverside. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have been borne witness that this is the Son of God. So that passage of Scripture, now I want to read to you John chapter 3. You don't have to turn with me, but if you would like to, you're more than welcome. And I'm going to start in like verse 25. It says, Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples 
and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness what I said. I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one whom... The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So how is it that you and I, average people, possess joy that is everlasting And that can carry us through all circumstances. We are reading the testimony, the ministry of John the baptizer, as he goes on to say, this joy of mine is now complete. What I have been longing to see. What's he been longing to see? This is John the baptizer, Jesus' cousin, who's about six months older to him. Who, And whenever you read in the Matthew account and the Luke account, you get an understanding of this man who lived in the wilderness and he ate locusts and honey. And, and he was you know, just a burly man and just a hairy guy because it was against the law for him to cut his hair. And here, here he is. And he has been awaiting. He has been obedient to the law. He's been preparing himself. And now he's preaching to the people. He's a voice in the wilderness. And he's saying, hey, prepare yourselves. When he says, make the path straight, prepare the way of the Lord, he's literally telling the people to consecrate themselves, to prepare themselves for the receiving of the king. He's reminding them, there's one coming that you've got to be ready for. You don't want to miss this one. You better be prepared for him. There is one to come. You don't know him yet. You haven't seen him yet. But I'm telling you to prepare yourself, consecrate yourself, remove the sin from yourself. Come and to be baptized and be cleansed, be forgiven, and be ready to receive the king. And then all of a sudden, John in the water maybe on the bank side, sees Jesus walk. And he says, this is what I have longed to see. Him, Jesus. And I want you to know that the only way that you can truly be joyful in this life, the only way that you can truly be joyful through all the seasons of this life, and the only way that you can truly, truly know what it feels like to be God's beloved children is to point yourself and to desire Jesus just as John the Baptist did. Meaning, his joy was complete whenever he got in the proximity of whom? Jesus. You and I, our joy can only be complete when we find ourselves in the proximity of whom? Jesus. We might be happy without Jesus. We can make a lot of money without Jesus. We can do a lot of good deeds without Jesus. But we will eventually die and be separated eternally from him because we do not know him. So if you and I truly want to experience the joy of the Lord, we have to be in the proximity of the Lord. So when John says, this is what I have longed for. My joy is now complete. Behold the Lamb of God. We all must find ourselves in complete, humble adoration of who Jesus is. Because God is the source of joy. Now, there's two points I want to make today. Two points. The first one is, we see in John who he was. And you have to understand who you are. In order to experience joy, in order to truly possess a joy that is everlasting and that will help carry you through all seasons, you must know who you are and at the same time know who you aren't. All right, know who you aren't. What did John say about 
Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. He was questioned multiple times. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? And John said over and over, no, 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 no. You got the wrong dude. No, no, no. I am not that guy. No, 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 no. I am not the Savior of the world. Now, one thing that will rob you of joy is to think that you are the Savior of the world. And you will live your life based off your own strength. Think that you're the solution to all the problems. You're the only one that's educated. You're the only one that's smart. You're the only one that's skilled. You're the only one that's capable. And what will happen is you will begin to think in and of yourself that you are much greater than you really are. And then eventually you will rob yourself of joy because you will think that you possess the power to change everything that's in your life. And there are some things in our lives that we cannot control. There are some things in our lives and the lives around us are in the world that you and I cannot fix. There are people in our lives that we cannot change. Amen. There are people you know that need a great, you know, knock over the head from Jesus that you have tried and you have tried and you have tried, but they continue to live in sin. They continue to reject the gospel of Jesus and they continue to go their wayward ways. And you have tried and you have tried. And what happens is if you and I think that we are greater than we really are, see what John said was he must increase, I must decrease. What he is talking is that people must follow him and view him so much greater than they view me because I am just a voice in the wilderness. I came here to prepare the people, just like you and I as the church, prepare people to receive the Lord. It's something we talked about a lot this morning is how you and I cannot change anyone, only Jesus can. But you and I can point people to him. You and I can preach the good news of Jesus. You and I can encourage people to find him. But we cannot truly transform or change anyone. So whenever we begin to think that we have the solutions to all the problems and things go unfixed or uncorrected, then we are constantly devastated. We're we're even to the point of depression. And then we just completely feel like life is always going to be broken. Life is always going to be bad. And life is always going to look miserable. And I'm always going to be bad. I'm always going to be bitter. And then we exalt ourselves to a position that we cannot stand because you and I are not the Savior of the world. You and I are not the solution to all the world's problems. I don't care how many letters follow your name or not. I don't care how many books you've read or you haven't. I don't care what political party you vote for. I don't care what news channel you get your sources from. You and I are not that guy. We're not. And whenever we come to the realization that there are things that I am not capable of doing on my own, but I need someone greater than me, who do we call on? Jesus. Whenever there are people in my life that I have tried and I have poured into and they continue to live in rebellion and sin, who is it that they truly need to get a hold of them? Jesus. Whenever there is chaos all over the world and we try this humanitarian step and we try that good deed, they are really, the world is truly in need not just of good, you know, moral, political people. The, the world is truly in need of Jesus. So, so we must find ourselves humbling ourselves and recognizing that we are not that guy. And whenever you come to the humble recognition, I just joked right before service, Dave Albuchon asked me, how are you? I said, I'm all right. He said, what do you know? I said, very little. Who laughed at that? <laughs> he said, well, that's not good. The preacher knows very little. I said, Dave, the less you know, the less they expect. All right, so I always try to know as little as possible so they, they least expect me to do anything. But at the same time, 
I understand that I'm not that guy. And if for me to truly accept, receive, and cherish the joy that the Lord brought 2,000 years ago when he was born in a manger, I have to come to the humble recognition that I don't know everything. I can't fix everything. And even though we may be a loud voice in the wilderness, as John was, and even though we may be doing great things, there is still one that is greater who needs to be exalted above me. And whenever I humble myself to him and I live in complete adoration and complete surrender to him, I will be able to experience the joy that he pours upon me. I will be able to receive and live in the blessing that he pours upon me. I will be able to recognize and appreciate greater and greater the longer I live, the mercy and the grace that he gives to me. So John knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. Now, that's great, and that's a great start. That's a, a great start. But how do we navigate those times in life that we did not predict, that we did not see coming, and we have a very difficult time to respond to? It's great to know, okay, God, he's the, he's the Lord, and it's great to know that Jesus is the Savior. I know I'm not, and I know I'm not the Redeemer. I know I'm not the one changing hearts of people. But how do we still possess joy whenever our life is as painful as it may be? Let me just read a couple of things to you. John chapter 10 is where we see a beautiful passage of scripture where Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me, which is a sign of submission, which is a sign of him having the authority, which is a sign of he must increase in my life, I must decrease. And whenever I decrease and I exalt him and I increase him, then I'm putting all, all the pressure. He, he's, he's big enough to take the pressure that I put on him to take control of my life and to take the authority of my life. But Jesus said, I know my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me. So this is a gift, but also a recognition of authority is greater than all. He's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, verse 37 and 38. He said, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you build your life and you find yourself truly experiencing the joy that the Lord has for you and is freely given to you by you truly understanding that there is nothing and there is no one that can ever pry you out of his hand and there is nothing that could ever separate you from the love that God has for you. Meaning, whenever I completely surrender myself to him and I'm living in relationship with him and my God is holding on to me, even if the diagnosis doesn't look in my favor, guess who's still holding me? My Father in heaven. So whenever my kids are living in rebellion or whenever they're not doing the things I think they should be doing and, and ever things aren't going my way, the, you know, the, the political things are not going in my favor, the job is in a crisis and the pay is completely cut or the job is completely gone, guess what? I may not be enjoying this particular circumstance I find myself in, but guess what? My God's still got a hold of me. 
My God's still holding on to me. And there is nothing that can separate me from the love that he has for me. Which means whenever Jesus went and died on the cross for you, he hasn't come to a point of regret thinking, man, I wish I would have never done that for him. I wish I would have never gone through the pain for her. He's literally telling us that there is nothing that can separate us from his love that he has. So whenever you and I want to truly experience the joy of the Lord, we must find ourselves in complete adoration and complete contentment and satisfaction in who the Lord is. He is my provider. He is my protector. He is my helper. He is my comforter. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Father. He is my friend. He is my Redeemer. I mean, we could go on and on and on about the names of the Lord that He is or the characteristics that He possesses as our Lord. But what you and I must do to truly experience the joy of the Lord is we must humble ourselves to Him, live in complete surrender and adoration to Him as much greater than we could ever be. Therefore, we will just live in the blessing of the Lord. And daily, remind ourselves, even though I may not enjoy this, I still have joy. Why? Because joy is not dictated by the circumstances that you find yourself in. Joy is a gift from the Lord that is everlasting. So even though I may not enjoy this, even though I may not enjoy that, even though I don't enjoy this right now, guess what? I still possess a joy that is everlasting and will carry me through every season of life. So this Christmas season, this time of Advent this year, here's my challenge for you to humble yourself And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you find yourself exalting yourself into a position that you are not capable of standing in, you will eventually position yourself as savior of your own life, and you will try to play God in your own life. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You will live exhausted, miserable, bitter, and completely heartbroken because you are not that guy. John was asked, are you the Savior? Are you, are, you, are you the Christ? Are you the promised one? Are you Elijah? John said, no, 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 no. I am just the one in the wilderness. So for you, you must recognize who you are and you must come to the understanding that when the Lord holds you in his hand, when the Lord died for you and you live in relationship with him, when you confess to his name, when you live and you are created new, you've been born again and you've been forgiven and you've, all of your iniquities have been blotted out, you are living in relationship with him, there is nothing that will pry you out of his hand and there is nothing that can separate you from his love for you. And lastly, I want to tell you this. I wasn't going to give this point today, but I'm going to for about two more minutes. John found joy and great confidence in making a way for the Lord by operating in what it was that God called him to do. He was just preparing the people. He was preaching about this one to come. He was warning them, hey, you need to, you need to be baptized, repent of your sins. You need, to, you need to fix yourself. You need to consecrate yourself. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you. And John was just a voice in the wilderness. And I'm telling you, you will find great joy operating it in whatever it is that God has called us to do. 
And he has called us all to operate or to participate in one great commission, which is what? To make disciples of all, na- all people, all nations. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all people. And whenever you operate in that, you will find great joy. Because I'm telling you, there is nothing more beautiful than to see someone surrender themselves to Jesus Christ as Lord and be transformed by his spirit. There is nothing more beautiful than that. There is nothing more beautiful than to see a grown man surrender himself to the Lord and fix his marriage and then repair his relationships with family and to lead children in the way of the Lord. There's nothing greater than to see a a child or a teenager or a young adult come to faith in Christ and truly surrender themselves to them so that generations will be impacted. There's nothing greater. And you will find very few things in this life bring you greater joy than to see people call upon the name of Jesus and the gospel message of Jesus dying in their place in the Spirit of God that is empowering all of those who are His people. There is nothing greater than to see the world radically transformed by the power and by the name of Jesus. So when you and I truly operate in what it is that God is calling us to operate in, and when you and I are that voice, so John the Baptist could be a a visual illustration or representation here of the church. You and I are the church. We are the church. Our responsibility is to be that voice in the wilderness, because you all know this world is wild. This world is completely wild. We are living in a wilderness out there. All right? And it is our responsibility to be that voice in the wilderness. It's Pleasant Hill, not just here in Potosi, our surrounding area, but all over the world. We are to be part of this body. We are to be part of this crying out in the wilderness, this voice calling out to the world, hey, prepare yourselves for the one. Because the one that came born of a virgin 2,000 years ago isn't going to come the same way this time. He's going to come again, or you and I are going to pass away one day and see him face to face. But eventually, we must prepare everyone that we can, that all of us, every single one of us, will see him face to face. You and I, all of us, will stand before his throne. And each and every one of us will either be sentenced to eternal hell and separation from him, or we will be welcomed home into his presence. And it is our responsibility to be that voice in the wilderness, crying out to the world, repent of your sins, call upon the name of Jesus, church or people, community, co-workers, family, friends, please surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way home. Only way. And if you don't live with Christ, you will have no joy. You will be tossed to and fro from each circumstance. You're happy for three days, depressed for five months, and then you're, then you're depressed, or then you're living in this cycle of happiness and angry, frustrated, depressed. Some, oh, something good happens. And there's this constant cycle because you do not possess the strength to sustain yourself for more than about three minutes. And we are to live lives of 50, 100, 105 years, and we expect ourselves to be able to strengthen ourselves and sustain ourselves to endure all of the things that this life throws at us. And if you've lived more than about six minutes in this life, you have experienced some things and you've navigated through some things that you did not predict or expect or ask for, but they came. The only way you make it through it all is to call upon the name of Jesus and surrender and live in complete adoration of him. As John the Baptist saw 
Behold, the Lamb of God. I want us all to find ourselves this Advent season and the rest of our lives living in complete adoration of behold, Jesus is the way. Jesus is my way. The Spirit of God is my comforter. The Spirit is my helper. Jesus is my way. Let's pray.